Hey, good morning, church. We are once again at uh, our, uh, our facility uh, on a Thursday evening. Uh, if you can see a little bit from the wide shot, we are in the process of a little deconstruction in preparation for our gathering again. Uh, I'm pretty excited. It's looking pretty terrible, which means it's going to look good soon enough. Uh, and I am here with Jared Lida, pastor at yeah. Olive Life Church in Post Falls. Yep. So thank you so much for hanging out with me and yeah. uh, talking about Jesus a little bit. Yep. Thanks for having me. Uh, we are continuing in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we are in chapter 16 this week. And uh, we're going to be looking at um, verses 13 through 20. So I'm going to read that and then we'll pray and uh, chat a little bit. So Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity to um, just sit under its authority. Uh, I just pray that as we uh, get this glimpse into the recollections of Matthew, your apostle, and his um, journey with Jesus, that it would just touch our hearts, that it would encourage and exhort, that uh, it would rebuke if that's what we need. God, I pray that your word would provide comfort in this time of uh, global turmoil. Uh, I just pray that our discussion is uh, animated by your spirit and uh, that we, um, we just learn a little bit more about you yeah. than we did, uh, than we knew yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I just pray that... Uh, um, as we gather around this text together, as we're still apart, that you would bless. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There's this, this scene in the movie, The Matrix. Did you watch The Matrix? Mm -hmm. it's, it's good, it's a good film. I haven't seen it in a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it holds up, I think. The end of The Matrix, uh, Neo, the, the title, or the, the, the main character, he, has this this kind of transformation moment where he's looking out at the world and the whole scene becomes numbers because he's kind of like mm -hmm. opened the door of his mind and now mm -hmm. he can see the matrix for what it is and and he has this maybe you'd call it an, an epiphany and his whole life at that point changes right he becomes mm -hmm. basically superman because <laughs> yep. he can do whatever he wants mm -hmm. in the matrix because he understands it and i feel like the 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 disciples are walking down this road with jesus and the whole process is just this very slow version of that for them, where just little by little, they're going like, wait, what's going on? And, and yeah. how do I understand this? And then yeah. it comes to this like climax in chapter 16, where Jesus just straight up asks them the question. And then Peter's going to answer. Uh, and and, and this, Peter's answer becomes like the, 
the cornerstone of our confession as Christians. Yep. There's just so much in this passage that's, yep. that's confusing and uh, disputed. Uh, and so it starts, Jesus comes to this region, Caesarea Philippi, it's up north, Gentile, Roman territory, and he asks the question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And this is Jesus's, this is Jesus's title for himself, the Son of Man. It comes from the book of Daniel. And then he says, who, who's everybody, what's the word on the street, right? What right. does everybody yeah. say that I'm, I'm, I'm doing? Who am I? What's my reputation? Yeah, what's my reputation like? Yep. And I, I, love the, I, I love the answers. John the Baptist. John the Baptist has died at this point, so John the Baptist has like, been reincarnated or something. Uh, or Elijah. But they have memory of him. Yeah. They understand the contours of his life. Right, yeah. His yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. Um, yeah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a big prophetic voice in ancient Israel. Uh, one of the prophets, just kind of generic one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter talks for everybody, right? <laughs> he's a spokesman. He's yeah. a spokesman. He's always the first one to open Out his mouth. in front, yep. Yeah. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So the Messiah, we've talked about the Messiah uh, all throughout our study of Matthew, the anointed one. This is this, this uh, person that's going to show up. Uh, everybody in ancient Israel is looking for the Messiah who's going to come and he's going to bring freedom, um, new life. He's going to bring about the kingdom in ways that they've never imagined before. Mm -hmm. At this point in Israel's history, he's a military leader. He's going to kick out the Roman occupation. He's going to set up himself on the throne of David in Jerusalem. So Peter says, you are the Messiah. You're the, you're the guy. Mm -hmm. And he says, you're the son of the living God. This is something bigger than even the Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Messiah is this, this representative of, of, of King David, um, this, this um, special appointed um, warrior king who's gonna come along in the name of Yahweh. Um, but, but Peter seems to have maybe a little bit more insight. He yeah. says, you have, this, you have a special relationship to the living God, to, mm -hmm. to Yahweh himself. I love the Bible and, and I've, I've grown up reading the Bible, I've grown up in church, and I, I, I feel like sometimes we get so comfortable with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many times I've read, Peter's Confession of the Messiah is the mm -hmm. heading in my Bible. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, and who do men say that I am? You know, and and it, yeah. all of this is very, very familiar to me, but to actually like take a minute to think about, you know, them gathered around that circle and actually say the words out loud for the first time. I mean, maybe they've been thinking, I mean, they've been thinking something for a long time. They've been yeah. following Jesus. Jesus has been doing yeah. these crazy miracles and amazing things have happened. And, and so they're, they're, they must have been running it through their minds, but to actually hear the words out loud and just let that sink in for a second. Yep. As he stands in front of them, flesh and blood. Yeah. Like we haven't had that experience. No. Uh, so they're looking at a man trying to make sense of this man also being God incarnate. Yeah. And I don't know where that thought leads exactly, but I, I'm, I think by just saying that and identifying that, I'm, I'm identifying myself with them in how hard it must have been to understand right. who it was that was in front of them. Yeah. But then I, it also it just makes me think about uh, situations in my life where 
you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be thinking, I'll, I'll have been thinking about something for day. I do this. My wife hates this about me. Um, <laughs> I think, and I think, and I think, and I think, and it's not until I have it completely sorted out that I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. And so, you know, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? I don't know yet. Leave me alone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I, yeah. it's not all the pieces aren't lined up, but, but I, I've had these experiences where I've been thinking about certain things. I mean, I, I can think about like when we first started the journey to plant the church, like I'd been thinking about planting a church for the, a long time, but, but when you actually start telling people, mm-hmm. I think I'm called to plant a church. Mm-hmm. Like then it becomes real in a way that yep. is hitherto not been real because it's yep. just been this crazy idea in my mind yeah and for them to there's to, an accountability that comes with that. sure yeah yeah and yep. and for for them to hear peter go you are the messiah the son of the living god like this is a this is a shift mm-hmm. in the story like mm-hmm. okay this is what we're doing mm-hmm. <laughs> we're following the messiah now and uh, even if they'd thought that before it's there, that's where that's it, where we are. Yeah, it gets real. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's yeah. a moment of truth where yeah, where I think about. Um, I don't know why this image is what's in my head right now, but I'm thinking about actually the soldiers um, in the in the boats um, on their way to Normandy, and like um, for many of them, they uh, war was something that they had been trained in and that mm. they had been faced with the reality of and that they had been running, rubbing shoulders with people who had been a part of war. But for those who were still green to it, they hadn't yet experienced it. And as they're coming in and they're hearing the, the, the thunder of, of bombs and artillery fire and commotion and motion, um, now all of a sudden, like they're so overcome with emotion that many of them are responding by throwing up Mm -hmm. or like such deep anxiety that it, that it like forces this moment of decision and truth. And it's that moment of, Oh, okay. This is actually what we're doing. I don't know why that word picture came into my mind, but um, when you start to recognize that that's who Jesus is and Mm -hmm. that he is God with the authority of the father and the spirit, um, it brings a kind of shift to life and to future, to decisions, to, the, the various spheres that we uh, find ourselves in in life, whether it's yeah. parenting or marriage or finance or like uh, our church is called All of Life. And, and, and there was this realization that Jesus is the author of all of life and he has authority over all of life and all of life is his. Yeah. Um, and that was a monumental shift for me because Prior to that, I had compartmentalized him. Mm-hmm. And so he has authority over a part of my life. Sundays not... from 10 to 1130. Yeah, sure, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Or, or, or certain aspects of my lifestyle, sure. speech yeah. or whatever it might be. But, but, yeah. but when you start to discover that, he, that there's more to him than human, there's, yeah. m- there's implications to that. Yep. Like that doesn't, you don't walk away from this conversation unchanged yep right you're either all in or you're like well they're crazy i'm out when you recognize that jesus is god it must change you Mm -hmm. like when you come to that place where it's not theory for you but it starts to hit the textures of your real life and it dawns on you that he is not just a teacher, he's not just a miracle worker, he's not just a healer, but he is the son of the living God, the Messiah who comes to take away the sins of the world. Uh, it, it, 
it must change you to, to some degree. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would say that our faith is incomplete enough that it's not right. saving faith yeah. at that point. Now, for everybody, like that degree, like you said, that degree of change is different. For yeah. me, I was raised in the church and walked away for a decade and then found myself in a moment, um, February 7th, 2004, recognizing that Jesus was God, is God, holy, and recognized that I was unholy and walking in opposition to him. And as I recognized that for some reason, though I was raised in the church at that moment on that day, it all came together for me in a way that changed my life in an instant. Mm. And it started to reorder my desires and my motivations and even like even some of the minutia of my life, like the time that I would go to bed and wake up in the morning. It wasn't a law. It was just I, I just wanted to make the most of my day. I just all of a sudden started to live with a new kind of purpose mm -hmm. that that wasn't planned by me. It was it was kind of an it was an inner work of the Holy Spirit um, in me. But I was a bumbling idiot. <laughs> From that point, and, I, and I've been, uh, I was 25, I'm 41 now, so do the math there, like 16 years following Jesus Christ, and I'm still like working out my theology, and I'm still constantly apologizing to my children, and my wife, and my church, and, 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 and just, uh, I think probably the best way to put it is like stumbling mm -hmm. forward yeah. in my understanding that Jesus Christ is God. So it's that confession that continues to guide me. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit continues to bring me back to, but I'm like, I'm so imperfectly kind of hiking my way along the trail of this life, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, I don't know to what degree that makes sense, but I, I yeah, think no. I just, I like, I resonate with that aspect of Peter. Yeah. Um, because I'm constant, I'm, I fe it feels to me, especially in the season of COVID, like I'm making more mistakes and missteps <laughs> than too. is normal. I just feel out of sorts, disoriented. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And yet, like to kind of tie up the thought, I have this guiding, authoritative principle that I have submitted my life to, and it is one that I am not God. But I know who God is. He has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And therefore, I have something to turn to when I'm incorrect mm. and in need of correction. I have, a, I have a standard. I have an example. I have a pattern, um, forms, disciplines yeah. you know, to follow, and you have, to, to turn to. And you yeah. have grace. Yep. You, you, yep. Have, you, you. Have, you yep. have forgiveness and yep. acceptance. In, in, yep. in the midst of my failure, I am accepted yep. in, by, by Christ. Which is Absolutely crucial. Yeah. Yep. Verse 18. And I say, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So we need to talk about the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> because this is like this is like a key verse mm -hmm. for what's called uh, apostolic succession. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a view that the church held uh, all the way to the Protestant Reformation, largely, that um, the Apostle Peter uh, was instituted, a, instituted a, uh, an office called the papacy, the pope, and he was the first one, and he 
named a successor, who named a successor, who named a successor, and there's this unbroken line of um, apostolic leaders all the way to the present day. Um, I am not a Catholic, you are not a Catholic, we are apostate. <laughs> I don't think Pro most Protestant. <laughs> yeah. Protestant. Pro yeah. Pro Protestant. Protestant. Yeah. I don't think, honestly, I don't think most Catholics would consider us enemies any longer. Um, but there was a time Absolutely. when uh, there was much bloodshed over the issue. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if the Protestants had power, there probably would have been <laughs> bloodshed uh, other way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Direction. Well, and there was. Yeah. The. the, yeah. the the yep. Calvinists killed all the Anabaptists, Anab and yep. it was, you know, church yep. history is messy and terrible. So, yep. um, but yeah, so the verse is, uh, which is, which is used often to, to give credence to this is that Simon is his name. Jesus renames him Peter, which the word in Greek is Petros. And on this rock, which is the word Petra, I will build my church. And so the Catholic argument would be that the church is gonna be built on Peter. So Peter's the Pope, and so the church is built on his succession of leaders. And so then I, I grew up in, in a non-Catholic church um, that, that had a different way of looking at this text. Uh, and and I, don't know, I don't know how, how you've heard it, taught, but, but I've heard it that, um, primarily I've heard it taught as like the confession. Yeah. Peter's confession. Peter's is confession the is, is the rock, yep. which I mean, that's possible, right? Yep. Um, it's, it's weird because Jesus could have said it a lot more clearly mm -hmm. if the confession was the rock. Um, I've also heard it taught that Petros, uh, means little pebble and Petra means big boulder. Um, that's just not true. <laughs> I just, there's, there's no way to say it's that creative. other than that's it's just creative. not how, yeah. how the language works. Um, there's one word, Petra, for rock. And, and the reason Peter is called Petros is because Petra is a feminine word. And if you're going to give a man a nickname, you're going to give him a masculine nickname. So you're going to change it to Petros. Um, there's really no difference in, in, the, in the words. So the most reasonable way to read this verse is that Peter is the rock and that Jesus is gonna build his church on Peter. It's a big leap to get from um, the church is gonna be built on Peter to everything that we've seen in church history of the way the Catholic church mapped out its uh, mm -hmm. papal succession. Because the reality is like, Peter does lead the church. He, he's like the leader of the apostles. He's the one that spoke for everybody yep. just then. All the way through Acts. All the way the through Acts. Named. Yeah, yep. He, yep. he gives the sermon at Pentecost yep. and thousands of people are born again. Yep. He uh, yep. brings, brings the, the gospel to the Gentiles, yep. right? He's instrumental in um, the proclamation of the Sumerians. Yep. Um, over and over and over again, God uses Peter to yeah. build his church. Even the, even the acceptance of Paul. Yeah. Like uh, at the Jerusalem Council, Paul yeah. would, uh, Peter would uh, lead them forward in yeah. that as the leader of the church. I don't, I don't think it requires the Catholic position to be true, that, that there's this long line of apostolic succession, and anyone who is not 
uh, submitting to that line is in error. Um, I think the plain reading of the text is that Peter is the rock. And if you look through the rest of the New Testament, you see that that's how it happened. Peter, mm -hmm. Peter is the, Peter's ministry is what God used to build his church. Now I wrote down here, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I think we oftentimes Protestants have a history of just not liking Catholics. And um, so we oppose. So we oppose, you yeah. know, we protest, yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so then we, we don't, Peter's not the Pope and look how terrible Peter is. And Peter's, you know, and, and there's, you know, Peter is definitely, we just got done talking about how screwy Peter is. Mm -hmm. But Peter's also this major figure that God used in yeah. mighty ways. Yeah. And meant to. And me yeah, right. I think we do that with Mary too. Yeah. Like uh, Catholic theology puts Mary in a position that scripture doesn't warrant. And so then we just like, Minimize Mary. Minimize Mary. Yeah. But Mary's awesome. Talk about Mary Magdalene, but not, Mar not yeah. Jesus' mom. Jesus' mom is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. and, and so we should rejoice in these, these uh, uh, our forebearers in the faith and, mm -hmm. and what they uh, have to offer us with the example of their lives. Do you see room for a both and understanding of the confession and uh, Peter himself? Um, really working hand in hand. When you say, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, what I take that to mean is um, consider Peter's authority mm -hmm. and, and, and how he was at the forefront of the expansion yeah. of Jesus' kingdom and church, yeah. visible kingdom on earth. Um, and I very much see like the confession that you are Lord, that you are Christ, that was the confession that he led with. Mm. And then that was the confession that the, the early church continued to lead with. Right. That is really that the call to entry, the call to believe, the call to faith and, uh, and, and to integration yeah. with the local church. So yeah. I very much see like the confession and the man um, working together. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and, and in, a, in a practical sense today, that's Peter's legacy is the confession. We don't have Peter anymore. Yep. And, and I think yep. like apostolic yeah, succession would, would want us to have Peter, would say that Peter, whatever, <clears throat> whatever Peter had has been passed down to every su successive Pope. But with the confession, like Peter initiated the confession of the church and the confession of the church is the thing that propels us today. Yep. So I think you're right there. Thanks Zach. Appreciate yeah. that. I feel so affirmed by you right now. <laughs> Anything I can do to help. <laughs> and on this rock, I will build my church. The word church is ecclesia, ecclesia, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Interesting word. Um, it means assembly. Um, the Septuagint uses the word a lot to talk about God's people. So, the disciples would be familiar with the word assembly being used. We talk a lot about this. I know you, you talk a lot about this as well, but just the idea that the church isn't a building, the church isn't a nonprofit corporation. It's a, it's a community of people gathered under the Lordship of Christ. And mm -hmm. um, we say it's not an event you go to, right? Uh, but it's a family to which we belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. The, the COVID pandemic has highlighted uh, like the positive aspects of that reality as yeah. well as the negative ones. Yeah. How do you mean the negative ones? Well, <clears throat> I, I can think, see the positive readily. I think the negative ones are, I mean, just 
in, at least in my heart, an inherent pull towards um, what we can't do right now. Mm -hmm. Come together. Come together, right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I think you can, you can make the argument that the assembly is the coming together. Sure. Uh, and it's a really, it's a really important part the of the physical together. assembly is, yeah. is important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, this, this situation we're in is temporary and it will be <clears throat> resolved at some point. And, but, but I wonder like when that, that longing comes into my heart, is it, is it the correct longing for what the assembly should be? Or is it, is it somehow twisted by Tradition. Tradition, motives, desires, uh, as a pastor, mm -hmm. you know, like, shoot, it feels good to stand up on stage and see a crowd of people out there listening yeah. to me talk, you know? And, yeah. Um, Have new people integrate into yeah. the life of your church. Yeah. And, and, and there's all of those things yep. that rattle around. And, yep. I think the positive is that she is not relegated to a building. Mm. That is a, that is like, I think that's fairly earth shattering for many cultural Christians right now. Um, and it's really messing them up. Mm. And you can see, uh, you can see this like impulsive, we've got to get back together again. The language that's being used quite a bit is reopen mm. our churches, right? Where you and I would probably say, wait, 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 like our church people are, if the church is the people of God, they've never been closed. Sure. Um, and so if we are, uh, I think our ecclesiology is showing a bit like a plumber, you know, when he's <laughs> been over fixing the toilet. Ecclesiology if, crack. If all that church is for us is the Sunday gathering mm -hmm. and the assembly. And if that's the place of ministry, that's the place of power, that's the place of integration. That if, if that is all that church is, I think that our ecclesiology has gone um, astray in yeah. a very serious way. And so the po returning to your question, the positive of the church scattered right now is that the church learns by force in some ways, by necessity, uh, for the, the good of the people around us, that she is, um, that she's a people, mm -hmm. not an event, not a building. Although the church comes together in an event on Sundays and in a building in where we live, um, she learns that she is, she's far more than a piece of real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, and then she begins to think differently. I use the, like the church, she, she, like, uh, we begin to think differently about life together. We begin to think differently about purpose, uh, when we are disrupted like we have been. And, and so I'm just going to add this. You didn't ask for it, but I very much believe that the Western church is being shaken mm -hmm. and strengthened and there's training and confrontation here. I think given to us as a gift by the Spirit of God to rethink the way that we are gathering and thinking about ourselves and even viewing our mission mm -hmm. in the world. That's good. So Jesus is starting this community of God, this new community of the people of God, his, his assembly, his church. And he says, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is kind of one of those things that if you just read your Bible, it, it, it sounds pretty cool, the gates of Hades, you know. But there's so much more there that, that takes a little digging, mm -hmm. um, which, um, you know, I, one, of, one, of the, uh, one of my favorite Old Testament scholars 
uh, is a guy named John Walton. And he, he often says, um, the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. And uh, so sometimes you have to work as a mm -hmm. 21st century American oh, yeah. to, to yeah. know what's going on. So Caesarea Philippi is this area of um, Roman culture north of Palestine yep. uh, that is, um, has a big center of the worship of the god Pan, yep. has a temple to Zeus, and going all the way back into the Old Testament period, uh, it's, it's near a place called Mount Hermon, an area called Bashan. Um, and all throughout uh, the Old Testament, there's this idea that there's these spiritual, quasi-physical beings that kind of live there. One word that the Bible uses is the Rephaim, or the Anakim. This, there are these races of ancient warrior kings, and this is all super weird stuff. Mm -hmm. But but they're they're like they're thrown around. You read through like Joshua or whatever, and the Rephaim live there. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know Genesis, what that means. I'm yeah. gonna keep reading, you know. Yeah. But, but they're yeah. referring to these like quasi supernatural of um, the Nephilim back mm -hmm. in Genesis six, kind of come in there. Yep. And they they come from this place in Bashan, and Bashan is known as the gateway to the underworld in this ancient cult religion. And so Jesus and his disciples Known are by everybody. Everybody, yeah. The yeah. Jews, Gentiles, like Roman, it's famous for famous it. for it, yeah. yeah. And and Jesus takes his crew up there for this conversation, and he says, "The gates of Hades, the gates of the underworld, will not overpower my church." So he's standing in at ground zero. Yeah. Yeah. Basically saying, come at me yeah. to the powers of darkness. He's in Mordor yeah. right now. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, so he says, Jesus, my assembly is going to conquer the powers of darkness and the gates of the underworld that do not move, right? They are, they are a defensive um, you know, barrier. The church is going to storm the gates of the underworld and destroy yep. them. So uh, the, the, the way that I think about like the church being offensive um, initially, like where I just kind of where I go is wielding power and overcoming force with force. Mm. Um, but the kind of I, I what I saw in this passage, I'll, I'll just read it like um, the church possesses offensive power. But it's a different kind of power than we in our um, in our flesh and our human mm -hmm. thinking um, first anticipate. We're pushing back on the darkness and we're attacking and warring against it through self-giving, yep. through selflessness, yep. through service, yep. through love, through joy in God, through kindness to one mm -hmm. another, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, through loving the truth uh, and refusing to give in to falsehood or deception. Mm -hmm. We're attacking the powers of darkness through forgiveness. Yeah. We're attacking it through radical generosity, justice, mercy, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. And so the offensive nature of the church is subversive. Well, and, and that's played out in, in the life of our king because his yes. ultimate offense against the powers of darkness happens on the cross. Yes. In his own seeming 
lost. Like he gives up everything. Self-giving. And, and that's how he destroys the power of death and sin. Amen. I love that. Amen. <laughs> and it's, it's powerful and we're all wooed by it. Yeah. Like, that's why these kind of movies do so well. Yeah. When, uh, and, and these storylines where the, the radical forgiveness of an individual, it's what turns a heart. Yeah. Not preaching at it and condemning it. Yeah. So he gives, uh, he says the, the keys, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. This is a pretty confusing passage. Yeah, totally. um, a, lot of, a lot of different ways to look at this. I tend, I mean, keys in my mind tend to speak to authority um, throughout scripture. Um, so Peter and then the whole group and then the church have this authority. Later yeah. on in chapter 18, he's gonna bring it up again uh, in the context of church discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, you see that in Peter in, at, at Pentecost, you know, he preaches his sermon. What must we do to be saved? Well, he, he leads these people into the kingdom and he, he in, the, in the, the authority he's been given um, to preach the gospel. He does it with the Samaritans. Um, is it Philip that goes out to the Samaritans? I forget. And, in Acts, in Acts yeah. and, and, and like preaches the gospel. And then yeah. Peter and John have to come to be like, what's that going on here? And then yeah. they pray and lay hands on and the Holy Spirit comes down on the Samaritans. There's this authority that mm -hmm. comes. Um, the, the Gentiles, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, mm -hmm. um, you know, Peter has them, I don't know if it's, it's right to say he kills them or has them killed or pronounces God's judgment on them and the spirit of God kills them. But like, there's this authority in that act. Um, at the Jerusalem Council, Peter speaks up with authority. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Because of the way it's phrased, it's a statement of, uh, not of divine endorsement, but of divine guidance. Hmm. It's not so much that the authority of the church is what it is, and then God's all like, yeah, well, I guess you made that decision, so... Mm -hmm. I'm going to rubber stamp it. The church is not guiding God. Yeah, right. Yep. God is yep. giving the direction and the church is carrying out his guidance mm -hmm. with the authority that he has delegated to them. Yep. Yeah. So it's an extension of authority. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause Jesus has the keys. Right. Jesus gives the keys. Right. Um, it's like, yeah, I wrote down in my notes, like dad passing the keys to his son, yeah. you know, to the car. Yeah. It's like the car doesn't belong to the son. Right. <laughs> The dad still has authority and owns it. Really beautiful reminder for us living in the middle of like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, well, you and I, we are God's people. We are, for some bizarre reason, the way that Jesus is bringing about his kingdom. And when he could, you know, crack open the sky and speak out from heaven, he, he, he gives that job to us. Our authority... I think, like you just said, is, is represented by self-sacrifice and love and service and generosity. And we have this privileged position from which to operate out of lowliness yep. for the benefit of others. Yep. And the opportunity to lay our life down. Yeah. To give it up. Yeah. In service.
Yeah. I want to recognize like that's not everyone's experience of the church. I know a lot of us have seen the, the church, however you want to phrase that, or, or leadership in the church take authority in a very different direction, in a very harmful direction. Yeah. And I think coming back to the idea that, that the authority of the church is derivative from God, and if it doesn't look like Jesus, then it's, it's being misused. I think that's important to remind us of. Um, We're out of order. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of pain that comes from that. Mm-hmm. That's good. I just want to like, I just want to note that Yeah. Um, for people watching that uh, <clears throat> our experiences at the hands of other people are sometimes representative of God's heart towards us mm-hmm. and sometimes are not. Yeah. And I thank God for his word and for his spirit and for a community around us that can help us like discern and cut through our experiences of the church. But yeah. when we pull back and pull away and segregate ourselves from the assembly of God's people, I think um, we, we, we run a very real risk of, um, I don't know, I don't even know how to finish that statement. I think like, I think the hearer can finish that statement. Mm-hmm. Like we, we find ourselves in precarious territory, yeah. alone, vulnerable, hardened, yeah. um, and not as open to the work of Christ in our life as we would be if we were fighting yeah. for unity and for a proper, um, understanding of Jesus' heart toward us yeah. in the local church. If, you, if, if, if you're doing what I think you should be doing, you're giving a lot of yourself to God's people. A lot of your heart, a lot of your time, uh, a lot of your trust. As a member of As a, a member church. of the local yep. church, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And one of the pitfalls of our current not, not, not immediate situation, but, but the way the church works now in the Western world, in the world in general, is, is that if, if you are hurt by the church, by someone in the church, by a leader in the church, it hurts bad. And the easiest way to fix the hurt is to just leave, mm-hmm. you know, find another church. Mm-hmm. And sometimes and leave- And for leaders to let them leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes- yeah. You need to leave. I mean, sometimes yeah. there are there are situations yeah. where it's a it's a situation where it has the best thing to do is to exit that situation. But I think of like if you go back to the New Testament and there's like there's a church in Corinth, and outside of that church there's nothing, right? Um, you know, think think about the kind of pain you would experience in a church. You know, they they lied or they they hurt me or whatever. Now put that in the context of a marriage. I mean, I, I've hurt my wife in ways mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And the bond of our marriage has kept us married. Because mm-hmm. there's not like, I mean, in theory, you know, there's, there's a way out of that. But it's a much stronger bond. Mm-hmm. And I think the ability to just 
stop being a part of this community one day and start being a part of the next community the other day, the next day loosens that bond that should exist in the church. Because yeah. I think if we had that bond, we, we're still going to get hurt because we're all sinful people, yeah. but we're going to work harder to, yeah. to reconcile that. Yeah. And you know that in your relationship with your wife and my relationship with mine, as well as really close friends, that it's the working through the conflict mm -hmm. uh, that is incredibly difficult and painful oftentimes. But it's on that other side that we understand that our relationship in many occasions, not all, is stronger mm -hmm. um, than it was on the front end. That's yeah. not true in situations of abuse and situations right. of, of right. Uh, neglect and, and other ungodly yeah. situations. But in a healthy functioning relationship, the working through of conflict strengthens the bond. Yeah. I just, I just want to ask a couple questions of, of the text as we close. And, and, and the first one is, what have we confessed to? What is it that we believe about Jesus and his church? And, and I wrote down, I mean, have we confessed to like a magical plan for being successful? If I just, if I get in there and like network and, you know, are we, are, have we confessed to a, com a commitment to good deeds that makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside? Uh, a ticket to heaven when we die? I mean, there's all these yep. reasons that we tie ourselves. A community to finally belong to. Yeah. Yeah. Or are we absolutely submitted to the king of the world and the creator of the universe and bought into his mission to bring about new creation? And like you said earlier, that realization should change every aspect of our lives. How we, how we think about our time and our money and our relationships and our work and our leisure. And, and then with regards to the assembly, the church, what, what have we joined? I mean, is, is it a social club for friends and, and networking? Is it, is it just an obligatory weekly function that we have this like legalistically mm -hmm. um, desire to endure for some reason? Um, is it a badge of superiority over others in the culture? Or is it, is it the like one living representation of the kingdom of God on earth that is actively tearing down the strongholds of the powers of darkness? And, and inviting us to be a part of it, you know? Peter's confession here opens up this door of insight to like, oh, this is what we're supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. And I, most of the time, I feel like I have no idea what that means, just like Peter, mm -hmm. right? And, and I just, but I'm excited about it. Like, Jesus, show me more of what it looks like to be yours amongst your people in this city on your mission. Um, and I'm confident he's, that's a prayer that he's going to faithfully answer. Yeah. He has in yeah. your life. Yeah. And in mine yeah. and in ours. <clears throat> this is an explosive passage. And, um, and that, that confession is at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you were kind of as you were asking some of the questions for reflection, I was I was kind of like I was trying to summarize them and and um, it maybe into one or synthesize them into like one question that that gets at the heart. And for me, that question, the only question that emerged for me personally was like, why am I a part of the local church? Mm. Like, why do I continue to give myself to this lifestyle and to um, 
this system of belief and all of the output that's associated with it, whether I'm a pastor or not, isn't the question. Like sure. just as a healthy member of a local church, is Jesus the Christ? Is he the son of God or is he not? Because when we answer that question, it immediately, it, 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 it directs us um, and affirms the way that we're ordering our lives. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I could go on, but it wouldn't be helpful. So <laughs> thank you for your restraint. <laughs> You're welcome. We've already gone plenty long. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's pray and yeah. uh, we'll, close. Would, would you mind if I prayed for Revelation? I would love that, please. I'd just love to pray for yeah, you guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Father, uh, uh, we love you, and we love your Son, and we love your Spirit, and uh, as a representative of all of Life Church, um, we love this church community that you're building, Revelation. We love Zach and Joanna, and we, and we love the work that you're doing here, and we're behind it. We view ourselves as siblings in a family, uh, rooting them on. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would clothe this church with the kind of power that Jesus Christ himself lived with, that they would uh, pursue the life of Jesus uh, through the adoption of the lifestyle of Jesus Christ, and that uh, from these blocks surrounding uh, you would give them favor among the people who live here and uh, community-wide, and that you would establish this church uh, so that she would outlast Zach and all of the members here present today. Yes. And that generations upon generations of children and adults would know you and would confess, Jesus, that you are the Christ who comes to save us from our sins, and you are the Son of God who calls us to yourself. So would you answer this prayer, and would we all uh, find ourselves in wonder at the way that you have? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Revelation Church Coeur d'Alene podcast. Learn more about Revelation Church at revelationcda.com.